Just outside the gates of heaven there stood two lines of men. Over the first there was a sign that read, Men who were bossed by their wives. It was a long line. Over the second there was another sign, Men who were not bossed by their wives. There was one guy in that line. The angel who was in charge of letting people into the kingdom of God wondered about this. He was curious, so he went over to the lone man standing there and said to him, Sir, I was just wondering, why are you standing in this line? He said, because my wife told me to. <laughs> now, just to be fair, ladies, I have another story which I think will even the score. A husband and a wife had a big argument one day as they were driving along on the interstate. Neither would give in to the other, so when the argument was over, there was dead silence. I'm sure you've never had that experience, those of you who are married. But this couple did. And the silence went on, and they drove for miles and miles and more miles. Finally, the husband looked out the window and spotted a mule off in a field by the side of the road. He pointed to the mule and he said, Hey, isn't that a relative of yours? She said, Yes, by marriage. <laughs> when certain people in our secular culture make jokes about married life, some of the comedians, for example, that you see on TV, they seem to do it with an attitude of ridicule and disdain. As Catholics, hopefully, when we tell our jokes about marriage, we do so with an underlying attitude of respect and reverence. I certainly tell my jokes that way today, because marriage is, first and foremost, a sacred institution whose author is none other than Almighty God himself. I think it's safe to say that here in little old Westerly, generally speaking, traditional marriage is still held in very high regard. And I base that assertion on the large number of special anniversaries that people here in our parish celebrate every year. It seems that at least once a month or so, a couple here in our community is celebrating a 25th, or a 40th, or a 50th, or a 60th, or like Barbara and Frank Ligori, whom I visited just a few days ago in Westerly Nursing Home, they are both mentally clear and relatively good health, just celebrated their 72nd wedding anniversary. All of that is fantastic. These anniversaries, I think, provide a beautiful, important witness to our young people. These couples, my young friends, are a witness to all of you that lifetime commitments in marriage are indeed possible. They're not easy. Very few good things in this life are easy, but they are possible, even in today's crazy, mixed-up world. And speaking of things that are crazy and mixed up, how about the contemporary definition of marriage itself? It used to be clear to everyone, or at least to almost everyone, that a true marriage involved one man and one woman united to one another in a bond that was permanent and exclusive. 
Well, that's not the case anymore. As we all know, this traditional definition of marriage is now being disputed by a very vocal group of men and women who basically want us to accept the idea that the union of Adam and Steve is the moral equivalent of the union of Adam and Eve. Now, there are several reasons for this big push for so-called gay marriage. Some of them are philosophical reasons. Others are practical reasons. Some are legal reasons. You'll be happy to know I'm not going to focus on all of them in today's homily. But I will mention one, a very important one, because it relates to something in the Gospel reading we just heard. It's the separation of the institution of marriage from childbearing. The separation of the institution of marriage from childbearing. Because many people today have accepted the idea, the erroneous idea, that having children outside of marriage is morally equal to having children within a valid marriage, because a lot of people have bought into that idea, one of the key objections to gay marriage has gone out the window. Because if marriage has little or nothing to do with having children, then why can't two women marry? Or two men? For that matter, why can't a man marry his dog? Or a woman her cat? In paragraph 1652 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we read this line. By its very nature, the institution of marriage and married love is ordered to the procreation and education of the offspring, and it is in them that it finds its crowning glory. That's the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. But you know what, my brothers and sisters? That has also been the understanding of secular society, literally, for thousands of years. In fact, if I had read that line from the Catechism to somebody 40 years ago, they would not have been able to tell me whether it was from a religious or a secular writing. Because almost everybody back then believed the same thing, that marriage and children belong together. The Jews of Jesus' time certainly understood this truth, which was in the background of the exchange our Lord had with the Sadducees in today's Gospel reading. In fact, the Jews of the first century considered having children to be such an integral part of marriage that when a man died without children, his brother was obligated to marry the widow, to produce offspring in his brother's name. The Sadducees, of course, tried to use this fact, this law, this Old Testament law, to undermine Jesus' authority in teaching, specifically his teaching on the resurrection of the dead. But as we heard a few moments ago, they failed in their attempt. They failed miserably. Because as Jesus reminded them here, life in heaven is qualitatively different from life here on earth. Now, some might object to what the Church teaches by saying this. They might say, you know, the potential to have children is not an obstacle to gay marriage. 
Because gay couples can always adopt. Or in the case of two women, they can utilize IVF, in vitro fertilization. Or in the case of two men, they can hire a surrogate mother. So gay couples can be parents, just like heterosexual couples can be parents. Leaving aside, for now, the fact that IVF and surrogate parenthood are both immoral, leaving that issue aside for the present time, that objection is answered by reminding the person that when we are talking about marriage, we are talking about two people who have the natural potential to procreate. That's key. Marriage can only be between a man and a woman because only a man and a woman have the natural potential to bear children. Two men left to themselves do not have that potential. Neither do two women. Even a man and a woman who get married in their late 70s or early 80s have this potency. They have the natural potential to procreate. Now that potential isn't going to be actualized unless a miracle occurs. We know that. Like the kind that occurred with Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. But the potential, at least, is there, according to nature. I mention all of this this morning because as Catholic Christians who care deeply about children and the future of our society, we need to have good, solid arguments at our disposal. Arguments that we can use in conversation with others to defend traditional marriage which, as I said earlier, is marriage as God, Almighty God, designed it. It's not a human idea. Study after study after study after study has made crystal clear that the healthiest environment for children to grow up in is a home with a loving mother and father who are united to one another in that loving, permanent, exclusive bond that we call marriage. So it's fine to make jokes about married life. That's not a problem. If we do so, as I said earlier, with an underlying attitude of respect and reverence. But at the same time, my dear friends, we must always, always, always defend marriage. Traditional marriage, as well as the intrinsic connection between marriage and children. And that, my brothers and sisters, is no joke.